Most people believe the Holy Spirit exists. But why don't we ever talk about it? We hear about the Holy Spirit and we sing about the Holy Spirit, but do we understand who He is? The Holy Spirit is not meant to be a mystery. He is a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power source to tap into when we need it. It's about communion with the person. There are many aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth of who He is is painted throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of our everyday lives. And we are called to live in the supernatural. Welcome to Family Worship Day. So let me hear a loud good morning, kids. Uh, and good morning, all the adults. All right, so glad to see each of you. For those that are guests, my name is Vincent Carpenter. I serve as one of the elders and one of our pastors here. So uh, it's my joy to get to share with you this morning. But I have some friends with me I want to introduce you to. So we have Macy and we have Levi, and they're going to help uh, lead us in worship this morning. And so uh, Macy's going to lead uh, our, our, our Yet For Us verse, and then uh, Levi is going to read our scripture passage for today. So if you would mind, stand, uh, and Macy's going to lead us out in our verse for today. Hello, my name is Macy and I love Jesus. Stand with me as we read the word of God together. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 5 through 6. For even if there are so-called gods, whoever in the earth, or many gods, many lords, yet for us there are but God, the Father from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is what I believe in and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ready to see it? Corinthians 12, 12-26. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, it is much true is that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable number, uh, members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which 
which lacks, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Amen. Amen. So you may see we have some uh, equipment up here on the stage because that means we're going to actually do a little illustration to help with our uh, sermon today. And so how many of y'all have done, maybe in grade school, done the oil and water experiment? Any hands of y'all done that? Uh, so if you've done that before, you know, or maybe you've at least heard that oil and water don't mix. Or do they? I guess we're going to find out. We're going to do our experiment up here. We're going to mix some oil and some water, and Macy and Levi are going to help me figure it out, and we will see if oil and water indeed uh, do mix. And so uh, we know, and we've been talking about spiritual gifts, and we've seen miracles, and we've seen healings, and who knows? God might do a miracle here, and we might see if oil and water indeed can mix. So we've got our flask here. We've got some water. We've got some oil and uh, we're going to get Macy and we're going to get Levi to kind of help us out. Okay, so uh, uh, Levi, why don't you get our, you got our water here. Why don't you pour that in there into our flask and uh, we're going to get this experiment started. Okay, Macy, now you, you get the oil there, add our oil to our experiment. Let's see if these are going to uh, mix together or not. Go. Okay, so if you can see that, you see almost pretty much immediately you can see the separation there. So we have confirmed once again that oil and water do not mix. But we have a special ingredient today. We have something else here. We've got some soap here. And so, uh, Levi, why don't you just add a whole bunch of soap to that? Let's just see what's going to happen. Spray a bunch of that in there for us. Okay, that looks good. Okay, Macy, why don't you close it up and shake all You got oil, you got water, you got soap. Shake that up, close it up good. And uh, make sure the top's on there good. There you go. <laughs> shake it up there for us. There you go. Shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. Okay, let's, let's try. Okay. So pretty quick, you can see at the top there, you can see that's, that's bubbles here, but you can see everything else is actually mixed together. So uh, let me explain what you're seeing here. Uh, soap uh, is made up of fatty acids and uh, sodium alkali, and they actually break down the biological properties of oil. So when you add soap, oil and water actually do mix. Now, yeah, that's great. Give us a, we, we, we did a, a scientific miracle up here. You might notice that this soap is red, and what do y'all think that red represents? 
That's right, the blood of Jesus, because uh, in our natural selves, uh, in our fleshly ways, we have these fleshly properties and these natural tendencies that we don't like to connect sometimes, and we don't like to get along all the time. But when you add Jesus, he can bring everything together, okay? So uh, before our friends go, I want you to help me say something to them, okay? So every kid that's here, what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes, because you're going to hear us say something to Levi and to Macy, but as we're speaking to them, we're also speaking to you, okay? So every kid, close your eyes, and just imagine like you're up here, okay? Every kid, close your eyes, think like you're up on the stage right now, and all the adults, I want you to act just like you're talking to your own kid, and I want you to, and one, two, three, I want you to join me and say, we're proud of you, okay? Adults, can y'all do that? Let's go. One, two, three. We are proud of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for helping us this morning. Every kid here, you need to know that you are valued by your church family, and more than that, you are valued by God. Now, you see our experiment here. We have uh, mixed oil and water, and uh, in our series, we're going to continue on in this Yet For Us series, we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about prophecy, we've talked about uh, words of knowledge, we've been praying for healing, and you probably may have guessed from our passage today, we're going to be talking about the subject of unity, unity in the body. Now, you might think, well, unity in the body, that's great, but what does that have to do with prophecy? What does that have to do with miracles? What does that have to do with healing? Well, it's got a whole lot to do with it. Actually, unity in the body is the foundation of the move of the Spirit of God. Unity in the body, when the people of God come together, it is a catalyst to seeing the power of the Spirit manifest amongst the people of God. And I want to show you that from the Scriptures themselves. Let's look at uh, a passage, uh, Psalms 133, and we'll come back to our primary text here in a minute. But let's take a look at the 133rd number of Psalms, and I'm going to read that to you. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down from the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So this passage talks about Aaron the priest. Now, this is the Old Testament period, and in that time period, the priests were the people who served God. The priests were the people who ministered for God. The priests were the people whom the power of the Holy Spirit worked through. And now in our times, you and I are the priest. You and I are the people that the Holy Spirit wants to work through. You and I are the people that uh, want to give prophecy and knowledge and pray and see healing. You and I are those priests, if you will. But in the Old Testament period, the way it would work, when the priest was ready to minister, they would actually put oil on him. They would put oil on the priest's beard. Matter of fact, they would actually saturate the beard with oil so much so it would drip down on their clothes. And anytime you see oil in Scripture, that represents the Holy Spirit. And so what they're saying is they put the oil on the priest. Now the power of God is on that man or that woman and able to minister, able to serve, able to see the power of the Spirit work uh, in and through that individual. And so it says here that unity is just like that oil. 
it says that it's just like the mount, the dew on the Mount of Hermon. So basically what that means is, you know, every morning when you wake up, the, there's dew on the grass. That's the way God waters the earth. So therefore it grows vegetation that produces fruit. And it says unity is just like that. When we have unity, we have capacity for the Holy Spirit to work through our lives. When we have unity, we have the capacity to produce fruit, to be fruitful, to grow and to multiply as the people of God. And so God wants to work through us, uh, through our unity. Now, we're talking about this, and it's relevant to us today because uh, you probably know, and it's not a surprise to you to hear me say, we don't have that much unity in our world all the time. Matter of fact, we have a lot of disunity in the world, in our city, in our culture, sometimes even in our church. We see a lot of disunity regarding ethnicity. We see a lot of disunity regarding, regarding economics. We see disunity regarding politics, and those are just a few topics to name many. But God wants to do work in us. And though, even though the ones I mentioned, and there are many other, the, the disunity seems so sharp at times, it seems impossible sometimes for us to come together. But that's why Jesus says in Matthew 19, with man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so today we're going to talk about how Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do the impossible work of bringing unity in the church amongst the people of God. Now, to do that, we're going to go back uh, to our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to begin and I want to focus in on one specific verse, uh, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read that again. It says here, uh, for by one spirit... We are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, for we are all made to drink of the one spirit. Okay? So now this passage talks about two things. It talks about baptism, uh, being baptized into the body, but then it also goes on and says that we are going to drink of one spirit. So I want to talk about those two topics because they were so critical to us experiencing unity as the people of God, being baptized uh, into the body and then also drinking of uh, the one spirit. Okay, so you saw our experiment here and we uh, poured these liquids into each other. They were joined in a sense, we, we baptized them into that flask, if you will. Okay, uh, and obviously they separated, they didn't go together. But then we added soap uh, to them, and then they were able to join together. Okay, so uh, baptism, if you remember, we started the series many, many weeks ago. And Jimmy kind of preached on this, and he gave a definition for baptism. He said when something is baptized, it is submerged or it is emerged into something. Okay, so when you baptize something, then you submerge it. That means it is totally committed to something. It's completely involved in something. It is totally surrounded or engaged in something or some activity. That was, that's what we mean by uh, baptism. Think, think of it this way. Think about it like a pool. When you go to the pool, heck, it's, it's getting warmer. How many of y'all are looking forward to get going to the pool here sometime soon? Okay, got some, 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 some swimmers here. Uh, when you go to the pool, you see two kinds of people, right? You see the people who sit on the edge and they kind of just dip their feet in the water, right? How many of y'all are, are toe dippers? Raise your hand if you're a toe dipper, okay? But then you got other folks, when they go to the pool, they run, jump on the diving board, and jump off, right? Toe dipping, that's not baptism. <laughs> if, if, if you kind of compare it to the Holy Spirit, okay, if you want to dip your toe in the water, you get a little Holy Spirit sprinkle. That's about all. 
But we're talking, we want more of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit. So what we're saying is when you jump off the diving board, you are baptized. You are fully committed yourself. You are fully, you are about to get totally surrounded by water. That's the idea. That's the illustration. That's the picture that God is trying to give us. He wants us to be fully committed to the body of Christ. He wants to work by the Holy Spirit through the body, but in order for that to happen, he needs people that are fully committed to that. So I want you to think about your own commitment to the big C, body of Christ, but then that's expressed practically through being committed to a local expression, and for us here, that's Antioch Community Church. So I want you to be kind of pondering, am I toe-dipped into Antioch? I mean, I'm around, I show up, I come, but, but are you fully engaged? That means maybe, maybe that's for some people that means joining, for some people that means serving, for some people that means getting to know whatever uh, people. So think about where you're at in your level of commitment to the body of Christ and then specifically here at Antioch. Okay, so it says that we need to be baptized. That means that we need to be submerged. That means that we need to be wholeheartedly committed to the body of Christ. But then the, frat, the passage goes on and talks a little further. It says, and we need to be drinking of the one spirit. It talks about two things there. Baptism means submersion, wholehearted, fully committed, completely involved. But then it also says this, this point of drinking from the same spirit, okay? And I want to give you another word. Baptism, one, we say submersion. Everybody say submerge. But it also says uh, drink of the one spirit, I want you to say another word, saturate. Okay, so this whole process is to be submerged into something, to be committed to something, but then also to be saturated uh, to something, okay? Basically what that means is when you saturate something, that means it gets totally absorbed. That means when you submerge something, you put it into a something, a fluid or a liquid or some kind of organization but then to saturate means that which you put it in then gets inside. Okay, so for example, when you jump in the pool, uh, you go under the water, but then everything about you is wet. Your hair is wet. Your clothes are wet. Uh, sometimes you actually even drink some water. Probably some water gets in the pores of your skin. That means you become saturated. That which you get into now gets into you. Y'all get the picture? Okay, you want to be in something, but then you want that something to get inside of you. Okay, let's go back to our experiment here. Now, you wait a minute now. You've noticed, you know, we had the oil and the water was together. It looks like it's kind of separating again. And so what do you think we ought to do about that? We may need a little more Jesus. What do y'all think about that? We need a little more Holy Spirit. Let's, let's put a little bit more in here and shake it up some more. Because the Scripture says that we have to be baptized in the Spirit of God. And what that means is baptism in the Scripture, if you read the text the way the text is written, it's not like a one-time event. Baptism, the word, it's in the future perfect tense. That's what we read in Greek. In English, it's future perfect, which means ongoing. So you have to keep being baptized. So it's not like, well, I get a little bit of Jesus, and now I can get along with that person in life group. It's like, no, no, you got to get more of Jesus. You got to get a little bit more of Jesus and some more Holy Spirit every day because one day you like that person, and the next day you don't. You know, those of you that are married, some days you love your spouse and then some days you don't. So you need a little more Holy Spirit every day, okay, to keep it going, okay? So 
Uh, I want to talk a little further, though, about this saturation. You may have noticed I put a little sponge in there. Now, this sponge, before I put it in here, I waited. It was, it was about half an ounce. Didn't even weigh a full ounce. But now, this sponge weighs at least two to three ounces. The, the color, it's actually even a little bit pinkish now. What I'm trying to say is, what it was put into now has absorbed into it. That's what Jesus is trying to talk to us about. He wants us to get saturated in the body. Now, what do I mean by that? What does saturation look like practically for a believer? One, it means you don't just come and sit in the auditorium of the church. That's, that's kind of baptism. I'm here, but I want to be more committed. But to get saturated, means that means you've got to be committed to the relationships in the church, okay? Look at whoever's sitting next to you. Baptism means that you come, you're connected, I'm here, but he wants you to go a little bit further than that. If we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, if we want to have the fullness of what God wants to do, that not only do you got to get committed to the church as kind of an organization, as an institution, you got to get committed to the people that are a part of that because that's actually where the power of the Holy Spirit is actually flowing. It's not flowing through the floor. It's not flowing through microphones. It's not flowing through cameras. The power of the Holy Spirit, healing and miracles and wisdom and prophecy and encouragement and gifts of miracles, all that, that's flowing through people. And if you're too distant from people, then your, your flow is cut off. If your toe is just dipped, you're just getting a little sprinkle. But we want to experience the fullness of it. So you need to commit to the body and then commit to the people of the body. That's what our verse is trying to communicate to us. Uh, we had a beautiful expression of kind of what I'm talking about happening at the church Thursday night. We had an event here called Taste of the World. I mean, it's the first time we've done that. Uh, it was beautiful. Yeah, glad you were here. Uh, I told the folks there at the Thursday night, I, I would have been happy if 100 folks had shown up. It was the first time. Man, we had probably about 300 people lined out the door. And we had about 15 cultural booths of different nations that are represented in our church. And people had their cultural foods. They had their clothing. They had their music. I, I drank some stuff called, uh, what was it called? Coquito. It's like it's some Coquito. It was like Puerto Rican for a coconut a juice. It was so delicious. I mean, and all kinds of food. I learned there was a man here uh, from the, the Indian tribe that the city of Waco is named after. And he was telling us the history and he sang Amazing Grace in their native tongue. He taught us how to say, I love you. I don't remember how to say it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get together with him again so I can learn. But it was a beautiful expression of all the people, nations, tribes, tongues, all together. It's like Revelation 7 uh, being lived out. It was a very unique time, but it was a very beautiful time. And I want to give you one more uh, illustration of that, of uh, a very unique uh, way of being baptized in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, beautiful one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got introduced to a person who in our, in our movement named Emily Bruner. Uh, Emily uh, is, and there's a picture of her and her husband, John. They are members at Antioch Community Church in Norman, Oklahoma. So I uh, got introduced to them by some people, and I talked with her, and she uh, let me share some of her story with y'all this morning because it's very critical to what we're saying uh, Emily uh, grew up near a place called America's Georgia, okay? And uh, she and her family was a part of, an, uh, maybe you can call it an experiment, called Koinonia Farms. And uh, this experiment was this group of people decided to get together and live on a farm together. 
And you had people of different ethnicities, different cultures. They lived together. They worked together. They raised money together. And basically, they shared their lives. Now, this happened uh, during the 1950s, and so you had all these different people. And though many of us, you know, maybe we have grown up, you know, with people that pretty much look like us or, or same background. Uh, Emily grew up with all kinds of different pictures. You got a, that's, her, that's her sitting right there in the middle with the dress on. So she grew up with all kinds of different people. Now, this was happening kind of during the civil rights era, and so when I see that picture, man, I think, man, that is beautiful. I love that. Now, unfortunately, everybody who saw that didn't think it was beautiful during the time period this was happening. Matter of fact, there was lots of people in the community around their farm that really disliked this. They protested. They didn't think it was appropriate for all these different people to be, you know, sharing space together that way. Uh, unfortunately, they even experienced some violence, uh, and they tried to shut the place down. And, and through the turmoil, these families prayed there. They were believers, and they sought God, and they thought, what should we do? And they didn't shut down. But what they did feel like, they felt like the Lord led them to change their approach. Uh, they said, well, you know, we've been kind of focusing on each other. We've been learning how different people, different races, how are we going to get along with each other and learn to live together? They said, I think we need to turn our focus outward. And so what they did, they started a ministry building homes for people in the area that couldn't afford it. And that became what we now know as Habitat for Humanity. Through this adversity, through this challenge, the power of the Holy Spirit worked through some unified people. And now Habitat for Humanity builds homes for people in need in every state of America and 70 nations. And so God wants to bring people together, not just for the sake of unity, not just for the sake of it being politically correct, he wants to bring the people of God together because his power can work not only to impact their lives, but actually globally impact uh, the world around them. Beautiful expression here we see with Habitat uh, for Humanity. But God wants to work uh, in our lives. God wants us to have unity. He wants us to commit to the body of Christ. He wants us to commit to relationships with each other. Now, there's a reason he says this. In verse 25 in our passage, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, so that there is no division in the body. Again, we're not just relating to each other just for the sake of relating to each other. He says that's important so that there is no division. And there's a reason why there can't be division, because if the body it has division in it, at best, it's going to be a weak body. But if the body has a vision, at worst, it's vulnerable to destruction. Uh, I actually preached on this passage several years ago, and in my study, I discovered something called autoimmune disease or autoimmune disorder, okay? And what that means is basically in your body, I'm, I'm going to go back to our science time here, okay? In your body, you have an autoimmune system, okay? And what your autoimmune system does is it uh, protects you from sickness. So if a germ or a virus or anything foreign enters your body, your autoimmune system kicks in and sends agents to fight that germ or destroy that virus so that you stay healthy. But unfortunately, sometimes something goes wonky in your body where your autoimmune system sends the agents, instead of fighting the germ or the foreign substance, your autoimmune system will make your body start fighting its own tissues and its own uh, organs. And sometimes it can make you very sick, and sometimes you can die 
from uh, this uh, disorder. So you can see it's very important that uh, your body gets the right message so that your autoimmune system fights the right enemies, right? Okay, so because of that, I want to talk about divisions because if your body is not fighting the right enemy, it could be very destructive for all of us. Can y'all see that? Okay, so let's talk about, I want to talk about some divisions that are in the body. I'm going to talk about four specific ones. Now, there are many more, but we're going to hit on four critical ones for us today, okay? The first one is believing the worst, okay? It's very easy to believe the worst about people. Specifically, if you don't know them, specifically if they're different from you in some way, specifically if you don't have background and history with them, it's very easy to believe the worst. In that autoimmune uh, situation, what happens is uh, your body sends messages to your brain and then your brain kicks in your systems, like your autoimmune system. But for some reason, sometimes the body sends a wrong message. And so the brain then tells the body the wrong. That's where autoimmune disorder comes. It actually generates from a false message, okay? So it's very uh, important that your body, your brain get correct messages. Can y'all see that? You want your brain to get the truth about what's going on in your body, not something false because it'll make your brain then kill you, okay? Same thing in the body. You might notice in culture, in our world, sometimes there are false messages being spread around about people, okay? Uh, and that can be very destructive in the body. For example, I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I'm 55. I've been born, I've been born and raised in church. And one of the things I have always heard is how hypocritical Christians are. Have any of y'all see y'all heard that? I've heard that. My, I mean, as a pastor, I'm always around defending and, 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 and I used to apologize to people. Yeah, you're right. I know we just pray for us, you know. But you know what? That's a false message. I've learned a true message about Christians. In Corinthians, Paul is talking to the Christians there, and he didn't call them hypocrites. You know what Paul called the Corinthians? Oh, they had problems. They had divisions, but he didn't call them hypocrites. You know what he called them? Saints. We are saints. Yes, I have committed the sin of hypocrisy. Yes, I have done that. But we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and big by that blood, we have been made righteous, so you are no longer a hypocrite. You are a saint. We need to believe the truth, and not only are you a saint, look at the person next to you and say, you're a saint too. We need to get true messages. We don't need to believe the worst about each other because that weakens the body and weakens the capacity for the power of the Spirit to work through us. So believe in the worst. That's one of the divisions. Another division is preferring people. Part of this letter, part of the reason why Paul writes to the Corinthians is they had developed preferences about their leaders. In 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about uh, some of them saying, well, I like Paul. So when Paul would come and preach and teach some people, yeah, here come Paul. Come. We're gonna, I'm coming to Paul's meeting. And then some say, well, I don't like Paul. I'm not coming to Paul. I like Apollos. Apollos was another one of their leaders and teachers. And some say, well, I'm coming when, only when Apollos is teaching, okay? And then some say, well, I like Cephas. That was Peter. Some say, well, I'm only coming when he's preaching because, man, I like his, his style, okay? The problem is we get all these preferences, and it's not just about leaders. We get preferences about people. We get preferences about ministries. We get preferences about giftings. We get preferences about all kinds of things, and the enemy uses that to divide the body, weaken the body, and now the power of the Holy Spirit can't flow through the body one to another. So preferences are something we need to be very much aware of. 
because we want to experience as much of the Holy Spirit as God has for us. Another division is the issue of comparison, okay? Let's go back to our text. In verse uh, 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. Verse 15 says, If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a hearing, where would the sense of smell be? It just says, if I, if I, if I. Basically, comparison, when we look at someone else and wish we had what they had or wish we were like them, comparison kills the body. It's basically like not realizing the greatness that God has put in you, the giftedness God has put in you, the uniqueness God has gifted in you. Comparing yourself means it's like you're saying, I think God messed up when he made me. What an insult. You are a creation of God. You are made in the image of God. God looks at you and said, it is good. That's what he said. You are good. You have been made well. You're gifting who you are, what you look like, your ethnicity, where you came from, your economic class. Everything about you is good to God. And we need not compare ourselves because comparison ends up making us divided from one another. Last division I want to talk to us about is uh, self-sufficiency. Back to our passage again. It says uh, in verse uh, 17, it says... uh, Uh, Yeah, in verse 21, I'm sorry. Verse 21 says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Basically, uh, every part of the body needs the other parts of the body. So it is in the body of Christ. So it is at Antioch Community Church. We all need one another. We cannot say, I don't need some certain person, or I don't need some certain group, or I don't need some certain gifting, or I don't need some certain mission. We need everything all working together so that the body functions rightly and is powerful and the Spirit of God is working through us to the community and to the world around us. 1 Corinthians 13, very next chapter says that we all see in part, we all prophesy in part, we all know in part. That is an affirmation that none of us, Individually, none of us collectively as groups, none of us with certain giftings, none of us are are, are all that is needed for the body. We all need one another. We all need to work together. Self-sufficiency, thinking that we're good on our own, pulls us all apart from one another. And basically what we need to do is the admonishment, the very next passage is we need to value one another. We need to look at specifically if someone is different from you, whether their ethnicity is different, their class is different, their gifting is different, the way they minister is different, their perspective is different. You ought to not be intimidated by that. You ought to not be frustrated by that. You ought to be intrigued by that. Hmm, I wonder how God made them that way. I wonder what that is. I wonder what of that do I need? We ought to draw into one another as opposed to separating from one another because of some kind of difference uh, that we have or perceive we have. Verse 23 uh, says here, And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we ought to bestow abundant honor. When we see something that seems not as important to us, all the more you ought to put honor on that person. If it seems like I don't need that, all the more 
we ought to put it, it says, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Division tears the body down, but humility, honoring one another, builds the body up. Uh, this weekend, this past weekend, I, uh, Tanya and I hosted uh, the family of, of my wife's uh, new wife. She, Michael, uh, just recently uh, got married. My oldest son, Michael, recently got married, and his wife is from India. And so her family uh, was not able to come uh, when the original wedding was because the COVID restriction, they wouldn't let them into the country. And so we only got to meet them by Zoom, but we got to uh, meet them in person uh, on yesterday. And so it's beautiful, you know, in the Indian culture, there's a big prim, uh, emphasis on a cultural exchange. So we did this gift exchange. And so all of our daughters, my mom, my wife, my sister, they all got these beautiful Indian dresses. They call them saris, and beautiful fabric. And, and so we did a cultural exchange. And so we gave them uh, a lots of the bigger things are in Texas paraphernalia. So they got kitchen stuff with nothing as hot as Texas, nothing as big as Texas. And so they got plenty of Texas stuff to take back to India with them. And so, but this Thursday though, we are having a big family wedding ceremony down in Houston where they live so that her family uh, can be a part of the ceremony. Now I'm sharing all that because uh, I want to talk about a particular person that's in the wedding. Uh, Michael, uh, my son, when he was in high school, uh, he was a star athlete at Bosqueville High School, and he ran for thousands of yards. He, he did great. He ended up breaking his leg his senior year, but before that, he, he did just some great stuff. And while he was in school, he met a young man named Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan uh, was born with disabilities and uh, was wheelchair-bound, and because of all the challenges, he had a hard time building a relationship and making friends, except Michael chose to befriend Jonathan. And so I remember many, many times we would take Michael to Jonathan's house. He would hang out with him, befriend him, uh, and, and just basically put honor on Jonathan's life. So much so that they have remained friends after uh, Michael left Bosqueville. And Jonathan's going to be in his wedding party on Thursday. And so we're super excited that Jonathan gets to have that opportunity. But the point is that Michael is placing honor on this young man. And that's the picture that I think God is trying to draw for us to be the people of God, to commit to one another, not pull away from each other for various reasons, but find reasons to press into one another. And when we do that, we get to get a greater measure of the Spirit of God at work in us. God wants us to be baptized into one body. He's called us, he's invited each one of us to be a part of that big sea body of Christ. And we express that through commitment to a local a congregation, that's Antioch Community Church. And he's called us, he's invited us to drink of one spirit. That means he's invited us to press into one another really close, to get up close and personal with each other, to press in toward each other, even though we have differences, even though we have things that may intimidate us, even though we have things we don't understand about one another. But if we do that, we create an opportunity for the Spirit of God to move powerfully through us as a people. I want to invite us to stand. I want to invite our ministry teams to come forward. I want to give you a couple of opportunities to respond to. First of all, I want you to keep thinking about your commitment to the body. Think about that pool illustration. Are you toe-dipping here at Antioch? Or are you fully engaged? Have you jumped off the diving board? Are you fully committed?
And the Holy Spirit can tell you what that is for you. Maybe that is to actually officially join. Maybe that is to, uh, to serve. Maybe that is, I, don't, I, I can't define that for anybody, but the Holy Spirit can speak to you to say, what is a baptism into this church looks like for me? And then it says we need to be drinking of that one spirit, though. That means I not only need to be here physically, in a sense, committed to the institution, in a sense, but I need to be committed to the people. I need to be pressing into other people. And particularly if someone is different from me in some way, there's some reason why I might feel like I want to pull away. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, no, find a way to press in. Let the Holy Spirit say, is, is there somebody I need to be pressing into here? And we talked about all those ways we can divide. And maybe, maybe some of those ways or one of those ways you identify with. And so that maybe today is your day. Let me change my mind. Let me recognize who I am is great. I don't need to compare myself to anybody else. I don't need to think I'm good all by myself. I need to realize I'm not self-sufficient. I need those people. I need that other group. I need that gifting. I need that person who seems the most different from me. I need them. You need to have a change of heart, a change of mind. And one of the ways you do that is you just simply confess it. You come to somebody and you pray, say, man, I, I was one of those comparers. I compare myself. I always feel like I'm less than someone else. You, you need to say it out of your mouth, confess it, and get prayer for that so that you can be healed, that you can be set free. Or maybe you distance yourself. No, I get away from people that are different. I don't have nothing to do with them. And maybe you need to just say it so that you can find the grace of God to press towards those people. And maybe there's some other reason you came today to church with a health issue, financial issue, relational issue. The Spirit of God wants to connect with you, whatever that may be. And lastly, one more thing. Maybe you're here today and you need to make a connection. You need to get baptized into Jesus. Before you can become a part of the church, you got to get baptized to the head of the church. That's Jesus. Maybe you've never confessed that you need him. Maybe you've never confessed that I've just distanced myself from Jesus. I don't like the way he's done things, but now you want to change. Say, I need Jesus in my life, and then I can be a part of his church. And if that's you, you can come. These people are more than willing to pray with you, help you, communicate with you. And so whatever your need is, we want everybody to just start coming right now.